and welcome to the special New Year's Eve edition of the Weekly Song Podcast, uh, a so- podcast which is normally about writing songs in the week, and today is a- not about that at all. Uh, the both of us, uh, the both of us being myself, Declan Kitchener, and my co-host, Roger. Hello! There he is. Um, to, uh, <laughs> uh, to just... Have a bit of a general chat and just talk about some of the music that we've listened to in 2022. Um, because why not? It's it's a, it's a fun thing to do. And I don't get to chat with my mates about music enough. Uh, so why not do it in a public forum? How are you doing, Roger? <laughs> I'm doing good. I'm doing really good, thank you. Um, yeah, um, caught me in a good end of the year mood. Um and yeah, I don't know. It's been yeah, good. Christmas is just over and just, yeah. I, I guess the people will be hearing this about New Year's. So happy holidays, everyone. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy, happy New, New Year. Year. May we all <laughs> have a year that's fairly new and happy also and the rest of it. Me thinks you uh, yeah, maybe th- not learned the lyrics to that song. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say, me thinks you may have had a beer, which I have. I've had a beer. Uh, I'm I'm having a a cider. Um, I have another one, so you may hear the bottle going halfway through, because this is also the key to quality content on the internet is alcohol. <laughs> you may you may hear us start to slur in the middle of the conversation. You know, Declan will be like, "No, no I'll tell you, you Beyonce is still relevant." Oh, uh, she made the best rock album of the year. There wasn't a guitar on that album. Exactly. That makes <laughs> That's it the best. That's so rock and roll about it. It's <laughs> punk, baby. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, man. So, uh, yeah. Um, uh, what, what's, your, what's, like, your top album of the year, do you reckon? Hmm. Um... I, I, I don't know that I've got a top one, but I do have a few that stuck with me uh, throughout the year. Um, for a lot of the year, it was um, Sigrid's most recent album, How To Let Go. I've checked it out. Um, it's it's so good. Like the um, just the hook to Burning Bridges alone is just like immediately ear grabbing. Just really that, cool. That woman can write a strong chorus. Just yeah. I I passed over her first record. I think the big hit of that one was Sucker Punch, which I'll put a little clip in of now. It hit me like a sucker punch. Uh, but yeah, this this one we had it on in the store and just just it 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 grabbed me like it's um, just got such a strong pop uh, sensibility, but also like just insanely catchy hooks on it. Like I I don't know how she did it, but she did. Now and- I mean with, with an album like that, it kind of always because you know you and I are like. 
the least musically snobby people ever. Like, if it's good, it's good. If it's, you know what I mean? So, yeah. like, but when you when you hear a record like this, you you obviously hear a good melody, a good lyric, a good hook. But are you at all put off by the sort of more contemporary production? Uh, no, because actually this is something of a broader trend in the music that I've been listening to, but I've been hearing a lot more, like, classic instruments. Not classical instruments, but, like, I've been hearing more people do more interesting things with guitars and live bands and live drums and things like that, but all within the sphere of modern production. In fact, the thing, I must have mentioned this on one of the episodes that we did in 2022, but the thing that turned me on to that record a lot was on the song uh, Mistake Like You, which has this big old guitar solo in the middle. Like, that's that sort of mm. thing that you suddenly felt, hang on, wait a minute, what's going on here then? And like uh, that album's <laughs> also got um, a song that's shared with Bring Me The Horizon, of all people. <laughs> Uh, what the newest album of hers? Um, How to Let Go. That's got Bring Me the Horizon. Yeah, one of the later tracks on it is um, a duet between her and Bring Me the Horizon, and it works. Like, That's awesome. Like it doesn't sound entirely out of place, and I, 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 I still don't know what alchemy went into that. <laughs> it's always so interesting when a mashup like that works. I think um, it's interesting. I mean, at the end of the day, you've you've basically got two creative people in the studio together, working on something collaboratively. I suppose it makes sense that it would work. I just suppose you know, I I wouldn't put it on paper as working, but you know. Yeah, well, particularly uh, considering what uh, bring the bring me the horizon normally sound like, which um, is is very much modern metal, like uh, very hard, very aggressive. Like I saw them at Reading a couple of years ago, and I wasn't necessarily sold on their music, but like my goodness, they're a live act. If you there, if you ever get the chance to go and see them, listeners, go and see them. They're really great. But like, mm. yeah, it's not who I'd necessarily pair with, um, you know, a pop star. Yeah, no, I I fully get that. Um, I'm I don't know, like the cynical side of me sometimes comes out when I see collaborations like that. I mean, I haven't heard it, so I'm not speaking to it musically. I just mean like I wonder if their label heads were like, you know what, the demographics should really line up on these, and we should get these two into the studio together. Or if it was like an organic, like, hey, I love your music, like, you know, let's get together. If it was an organic thing, I'd love to know how they met. <laughs> <laughs> Because I imagine they move in quite different circles. But, like, uh, the last track on that album, High Note, just what an ending track. Like, again, super strong chorus, super strong pacing throughout the whole thing. Um, I think the other ones uh, I'll sort of cover a few more quickly um, and then we'll hand the question over to you Uh, my new obsession for the last part of the year has been the new Carly Rae Jepsen record California dreaming never 
how is it? It's really good. Uh, <laughs> again, like it's using a few more like classic instruments, like um, some like actual proper bass guitars and cool stuff done with um, like electric guitars and acoustic guitars and things. Uh, but again, the songwriting is just it's it's it's, it's wonderful. <laughs> it's punching. It grabs you in, and just the singles game. Oh, the singles! Like listen to talking to yourself. I've probably put a clip of it in already, but uh, if if you like that song, listen to the whole album. That might be your bag. This is cool because, like, for me, well, obviously we're doing this episode, but for me as well, this is just, like, me taking notes on, like, okay, Declan recommends this from this year. So I'm, this is just, just like, listening fodder for me. So oh, I'm this grateful. Is, this is exactly what I'm going to be doing for you the other way around. I'll, I'll go through the last two quite quickly, otherwise we will be here all evening. Um, but, like, Loyal Kana that record carried me through the middle of the year. The new one, just I love the production on it. Uh, I think it, is it Quez who does the production on that? I couldn't tell you, I'm afraid. But like, it's just such an interesting production. It uses texture incredibly well, and just yeah, more more of that from Loyal Kana in the future. And then uh, this is kind of. Uh, building up a mate of mine but uh Fletcher James all we're meant to do saw like parts of the construction of that record throughout the year i got to play the opening show on it and it's actually a really really good record he's been on the show before uh this year yeah fact. uh check out the song doubts go and find that if you like that then listen to the record the more i know the less i'm sure about wonder if i'll ever figure myself out i've got doubts i've got doubts i've got doubts Absolutely, yeah. It's a it's a great record. It was cool to have him on the show too. Like, obviously, you know him better than I do, but he's a great musician and he's got like a really unique approach to producing as well. I find. Yeah, like uh, one of uh, the fun things to do recently was that I went over to his. He loaded up all the projects in that album, and was like pointing out little bits where like, there's one synth line or one harmony or like, like all the little cool production tricks that went into that record, and like. It's like, wow. dude, you have thought about these songs so much um, <laughs> compared to when I record things. It's like, ah, uh, chuck 50 guitars on it. It's fine. 
That'll do. <laughs> um, imagine that you could just like sit down with all of the producers for the albums you're talking about this year and like have them cherry pick different overdubs and stuff. Oh, that's one of the cool things with the Laurel Karna one. Like on the BBC uh, Radio Six YouTube channel, they actually had him in and his producers to talk about a few of the songs and like they talk about oh how there's a choir hidden in this bit and here's like the original drum loop and here's like this that and the other and here's the sample that we reverse and play backwards and things it's just like you need more of that like i just absolutely eat that stuff up and i know you do too absolutely i mean i will watch documentaries or like making of videos or retrospectives on artists i don't even like just because i love that conversation about how music is put together um, I actually saw that um, that Laurel Connor, well, one of the breakdowns uh, on the Six Music channel, and I was just taken aback because, like, I listened to that the most recent record, and it's really good, and I'd I'd recommend it just like you would. But one thing that really struck me was the fact that it kind of contemporizes hip hop production in a really interesting way. Where, I mean, you've already touched on this, but. You have the usually hip hop is like the sample in the center with overdub drums and then vocals and overdub vocals. So like there's usually like two to four layers. But this is like they got a sample in the middle, but it's almost like a stone soup sort of arrangement where the stone in the middle is the sample. But then they add all these other things in, inside and real live instrumentation and then like production ideas. And it's like they really sat with the production for a long time and let it, let it, you know, let it, let it really gestate and really become something huge. But then also you hear about them talking about cutting sections out or like emphasizing bits after the fact to sort of emphasize the vocal and like really push the production to make the lyrics make sense, which is a good tool just for any songwriting in general, but it play, it pays off especially well in hip hop. And just, mm. I, I love seeing things like that. But I think those are the my big four for the year. Um, because I can never just have like one record of the year. Although Sigrid <laughs> was getting very close for a while. Um, what what records, like if, if you were like having like the top four or five records for the year, which ones have really grabbed you? Um, okay, so the first one that I've got on my uh, my list here is um, No Thank You by Little Sims. Have you heard any of this at all? Oh, this is a very new one, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it came out like two weeks ago, if that. I've got it downloaded on Tidal. I've not listened to it yet. I must admit, I didn't listen to much of her previous one. Like, uh, um, sometimes I might be introvert. Mm. Um, I because my my curse is that I have to hear most new records and in, in the store radio, um, on repeat forever. <laughs> randomized in the wrong order before i get to listen to them properly um oh no they're randomized oh that's horrible i know i know uh i remember enjoying the textures of it but i couldn't really get into the flow of it obviously because it was randomized but like how does this compare to uh introvert because that won a lot of awards yeah i mean introvert was kind of like um 
I feel like I want to make some kind of really big comparison here to something else. Like, like that was kind of like songs on the key of life, whereas the new one, No Thank You, is more like, I don't know, Hotter Than July or something. That's probably a bad example, but it's like less talked about, I feel like, so far, and less celebrated. I mean, it's only just come out, so who knows, but... Anyway, the the point is, like, it's just lyrically so good. And, like, her actual flow as an MC on this record is just... It's just, it's like she's been really honing her craft in terms of, like, wordplay and internal rhymes and alliteration and all these different things. And, uh, I mean, and the beats... Are, I don't know who produced it, but the beats on it are amazing. I think she does a lot of stuff herself. Um, I've had that nice rabbit hole thing where... Because I've gotten into that record recently, I've been like YouTubing and, you know, watching sort of like old clips and man, there was a video on, of her online in like, just like kind of shot on an old shitty mobile phone and she's like 15 and there's like a little um, freestyle thing, some guys beatboxing and like they're going around the circle and freestyling and she was wildly talented as an MC even back then and she was talking about how like she, she mixed and mastered her own stuff like, even back in the day, you know, and just amazing. Well, I mean, that's really cool to see, like, that having such success right now. Uh, yeah, it's kind of weird, because No Thank You was kind of slipped under the radar because there's not been a big physical release for it. Like, I did, I wasn't aware of any build-up for it either. Like, there's been no big uh, press announcement saying, like, pre-order the latest, or pre-save the latest record. It's just kind of, there it is. Uh, I've got it saved ready to listen to but i've not had the chance yet i'd be really interested to know your thoughts particularly as a loyal Kana fan i feel like there's kind of a crossover in terms of like enjoyment regarding the production like that thing of having like that thing of like is there a sample at the core of this or is it just kind of being built around so much that it doesn't even matter yeah like uh that's kind of an interesting thing like in hip-hop like Samples still exist, obviously, but you're seeing them being less the be all and end all and the backbone of a track and more just like, this is just in there for flavour. Yeah, I mean, we could do a whole another show on like production and like the evolution of album production. But I mean, you think back to like 1988 with Run DMC and Public Enemy's first stuff and where hip hop actually took on a life of its own in terms of its production. And back then they had, you know, like a four track tape recorder, an MPC where you'd load the samples up and then you'd do vocals and overdub. So really you were looking at like a two or three or four track project, um, which in a way had its like own rawness and its own organic nature to it. But nowadays, you know, you load up a sample in Pro Tools or Logic and you can add whatever you want. You know, you get a guitarist and you can throw them on the track. You can get a string section. You can do all sorts of things. And I think it's... Like, I think we're seeing a whole new era of hip-hop music now. It's kind of like comparing, like, um, uh, Chuck Berry to Genesis. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's a great, great comparison. It's all the same thing, but, like, one of them is, like, so few moving parts that, like, it it is what it is, and then the other one is just like, we have gone so far in that direction. (laughs) (laughs) We have put everything under the sun on this record to try and make it the best that we can do. Absolutely. I mean, and also there's um, there's a uh, a huge facet lately, I I find, in production on albums where there's a lot of genre crossover. I mean, that's existed as long as there have been records put out, but I think more so now than ever... Because of what Jay-Z was quoted as saying in around 2004, I believe, that 
this is the iPod generation where somebody can, you know, I suppose even that's outdated now. I'm aging myself. <laughs> like, you know, somebody can scroll through and listen to Stevie Wonder. And then the next song they play will be by Daft Punk. The next song they play will be by some Norwegian heavy metal band. So, like, it's all so accessible that people are bound to, you know, produce very varied music. Like, there was an f- idea going around a few years back, which um, I must admit I'm mainly aware of because of the Mike the Snare video on, like, the 2010s musically. But the idea of the mono genre, where now everything is available on streaming and all artists exist in the same space, as it were, uh, as a primary music forum. Mm. That things like the Sigrid and Bring Me the Horizon crossover, which would have just been plain weird like 20 years ago, <laughs> like to the point of like people going like, no, we're not having you on our record because we've got our set demographic and our set idea about who is listening to this music. Um, that is evaporating. Obviously, there are still target audiences for music, but like everyone's free to nick from everything. And like the ideas cross pollinate in a way that they haven't up to this point. Obviously, there's always been cross pollination of like genres and things. That's how we get new genres. When a mummy genre and a daddy genre love each other very much. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if that's not an episode title, I don't know what is. <laughs> <laughs> I think that is, yeah. <laughs> but no, I mean, you make a great point. I, I totally agree. I think a big part of it as well is there's such a, and I think this is a wonderful thing, there's such a lack of shame around what people like to listen to these days, you know? Yeah, it's kind of interesting working in a music shop because you have younger people coming in and like if they're shy or embarrassed it tends to be because like they're just young and that's what you like um uh like if this is the first time you've like used your credit card or something like that whereas like the most like comments we have like oh yeah i'm getting this for uh, getting this for someone else tends to be with older generations like it, it's mm. quite pleasant to see like someone can like just most like most of the younger people buying music now don't feel that need to sort of be embarrassed for their musical tastes it's lovely yeah i mean i suppose i mean there's so many elements that go into why that is but i suppose also just having people like haim out there you know who are really celebrated figures in, in music and culture who just openly say, yeah, we love the Spice Girls, or like, you know, yeah, we love Fleetwood Mac at the same breath, you know? Like, I think that's healthy. Yeah, like, uh, rather than pretending to be cool and above this kind of thing. Like, mm. uh, you've even got things like, for example, uh, I, I don't particularly like Fontaine's DC, but, like, you have uh, the lead singer from that band turning up to work on dance records and lay, loan his voice out to that and do all these other side projects which for like a punk or punk adjacent band you you just wouldn't loan your voice out to like a dance record even like 15 years ago and it, yeah exactly like, even uh, 15 years ago that's so true it just like it's it allows like wider like i don't know appreciation of music and like cynically you can look at it and go like well yes it's just a tool so the text artist can be introduced by a y artist <laughs> like like that trend in like uh, the early 2010s where like instead of having instrumental breaks or guitar solos 
you had rap solos to try and like sell you on a rapper before their latest single coming up. Mm. Um, but it, if even if it is that cynical now, it doesn't feel it. Yeah, I mean, music's going in a. It's like it's the wild west at the moment. I feel like just in terms of how people are creating. Like at the, at this point, like if you are interested in making music even a little bit, you have a computer and you have a sound card and you're making something. Um, to you know, and you can get a pretty good quality out of that. So that's taken care of. And then no one's making money from streaming. I mean, apart from people, you know, like Beyonce might be, but like even even that, you know, is but a Beyonce very, very was going to be budget. making money from music no matter what happened. Like exactly, the fact that she's making money off streaming more speaks to her popularity than it does uh, the viability of the medium. Absolutely, well put. Um, so like. There's almost like this kind of acceptance among indie artists of like, we're not going to make a ton of money from streaming. So, you know, let's either get out there on the road or let's just accept the fact that the model doesn't really work. Like the streaming model doesn't really work for anybody of our stature. So let's just make whatever the fuck we want and let's let's celebrate that. And that will be our unique selling point, you know, and I think that's a wonderful thing. Which leads you into these slightly weird rabbit holes, which then kind of can blow up or like uh, can sort of be surprisingly popular because it turns out everyone liked that all the time anyway. Um, like for me, uh, one of the <laughs> yeah. recent ones I quite gotten into is Louis Cole, like the sort of uh, funk drummer uh, who does a lot of his own stuff. Uh, I think he plays for Thundercat occasionally. But like it's uh, most recent record, I've really gone into that. But it's like half the time it's these really cool funk riffs and then, like, there is some weird stuff on there as well. And it sprawls for about an hour and a half. And it's just like, a record label wouldn't necessarily look at that and think, yep, that's one that will <laughs> blow up. Or, like, uh, things like Wet Leg. Like, I'm not a big fan of the Wet Leg record because I had to hear so much of it at work. But, like, it's slightly odd, indie, slightly punky, uh, very much like female rebellion kind of thing it's not the sort of thing you'd think would blow up and that's been one of the biggest records of the year yeah it's it's so unpredictable um but I, I completely agree it's it's a weird time and it's uh it's hard to say what will work um another another record that has caught my ear this year is um the new album by the collaboration of Danger Mouse and Black Thought. The album's called Cheat Codes. That holy swag make the cash get the gas face. In the first place, I got no motherfucker business coming in last place. My birthplace taught me not to stop. I'm more advanced than my classmates. I came into the game on a fast break and I'm gang gang like really bad things. The protagonist and I narrate in the same slang that Philly has. I can't stop. If I don't work, then I won't. Ooh, we heard a bit of that in work. Um Yeah. I like it's... it. That's about as much as I can say about it. Like, um, I've not had a chance to sit with it at all. But yeah, I I wouldn't be opposed to buying that when that went super cheap in a sale or something. But then that's like how I operate because I work in a record store. <laughs> I mean, on that note as well, like I was thinking while you were saying about the records that have you know reached you this year, you're quite. It's like a double-edged sword, really. You're quite cursed and you're quite lucky to work in a record store because you get to hear all this new music, you know, whether you like it or not. Exactly, yeah. Like, I did have a little uh, section of 
stuff I was writing down here, which is called albums I'd probably like if I didn't work in a record store that overplayed them all year. <laughs> oh man, I bet, I bet. This um, this Black Thought one and uh, Danger Mouse, it's one of those records where, when I saw that it was coming out, and I had quite a lot of sort of um, pre hype before the record actually dropped about around it. Um, because there were so many guest spots, you know, um, ASAP Rocky's on there, um, Joey Badass, uh, a bunch of, you know, notable MCs are on there. But even before that, I kind of knew I'd like it because Black Thought is just one of the best rappers alive. He's so good. If you don't know, Black Thought is, uh, the, the front man from The Roots, um, and Danger Mouse has been oh, a producer really? for all... Yeah, yeah, Black Thought's from The Roots. Yeah, he's the MC from The Roots. I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. So he's he's just got this amazing track record of being a fantastic MC. And Danger Mouse um, worked with MF Doom when he was alive and is one half of Niles Barkley with CeeLo Green. Yeah, Danger Mouse I've heard of before. He, um, I think he, I think the way I know him was that he produced a few um, uh, Black Keys records. <laughs> Uh, like the the popular oh, wow. ones that people like. <laughs> oh, I had no idea he worked with them. Yeah, yeah, that's that's cool. I mean, they both had their fingers in so many proverbial pies. Um, but yeah, it's it's really good. I mean, you can't really go wrong with Danger Mouse producing soul infused hip hop and Black Thought. Well, like being Black Dan- Thought. Danger Mouse is kind of like Mark Ronson in that I want them both to produce far more rock bands than they do. Because when they do produce rock bands, it's just... Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, exactly. Um, Let me see here on the old listy. Um, Another one that isn't an album, but is going to be an album um, next year, uh, is uh, the new Paramore record that's coming out soon. happy that you mentioned that like right? this is why i've had that chorus stuck in my head all day this is why i don't, I don't leave, leave the house, the house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh man honestly i mean talk about a band who have been around for a while and have broken their mold and what is expecting of, expected of them over and over again and are thriving because of it you know like this is why it's just one of their best songs, in my opinion, without question. Just just fantastic. It's kind of an interesting thing of, like, Arctic Monkeys have sort of done this, but they've put out a record uh, of 80s New Wave-inspired tunes in After Laughter, which is a phenomenal album. But then they've sort of, uh, like, managed to say, right, okay, we're going to do some more guitar-heavy stuff because you guys have been asking for it. But we're doing it on our terms, so we're going to do like a 60s mm. retro kind of tone with some of the recording, and also like a slightly funkier thing, but it's got heavier guitars as well. Like, it's diversifying what the Paramore sound can be while still being Paramore. Definitely. I mean... It's a very suppose, smart move. I suppose if if I hadn't have been into them for all these years, which I have, I might be less tolerant. Having said that, there's something about a band... 
who are as big as them just owning the fact that we're doing what we want to do. We're producing the music we want to produce and you're not going to be expecting it. Like that makes me as a as a listener be like, cool, let's see what you got next. You know, like maybe I won't like all of the next record, but I'm interested, you know. Like it took me a while because I was big into things like Misery Business and Crush, Crush, Crush back in the day. Took me a while to sort of like click with the um, after laughter thing, but once I did, oof! Like I yeah. let myself in for a load of joy with that, and I think that's a really interesting move because even like say you loved after laughter but you don't like the new one, then there's always a chance the next one's going to be more up your alley. It's like kind of like it's that balance of like the expected and the unexpected, trying to develop but also trying to keep a signature sound like. You've got to know that it's a Paramore song, but you've also got to have that little bit of... Well, have you heard the news as well? Yeah, I have, yeah, yeah. That's very interesting. I feel that's probably going to be a bit more of an album track. But, like, uh, yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to the turn of this record. So am I. I think the news, for me, the reason I haven't spoken so much on that one is I do like it, but it's still kind of sitting with me. Um... I'm just really enjoying being a Paramore fan at the moment and a fan of Hayley Williams as well. Uh, having listened to her um, recent solo work as well, which was obviously very different tonally and lyrically, but you sort of see a growth as her as a lyricist and, and a melody writer. I don't know. Um, so that's a really interesting space to watch right now. Yeah, I concur with you on that one. Like, I'm... I, I'm hyped for when that comes out. 100%. Uh, and then, uh, have you heard uh, Chotchkey? I... I'm not familiar, no. Okay, so Tchotchke is a three-piece, all-female band from the States, and they this is their first album, but uh, two of the members were in a group called Pinky Pinky before this, and the record is produced by the Lemon Twigs, uh, Brian and Michael Daddario, and uh, it's, just, it's just a great debut. It's really good. It's um, very sort of Retro in some regards, but also sort of very contemporary. It's hard to kind of put my finger on exactly where I like it, apart from to say that it's really melodic and the chord structures are very, you know what I mean, like unusual and and accessible. I like that combination. That's that's an odd combination to find. Like, is it like comparable to like that Lemon Twigs area of music, like in terms of tonality and sound and texture? Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, definitely. It's definitely got the 70s inspired uh, tones to it. I, I'll have to check that up then. I shall uh, grab the details from that uh, for you after after we've done this episode. Because I, I, yeah. that I think that might be something I might be interested in hearing. Yeah, it, I actually I read an interview with them at some point and um, I always like to kind of read into albums i'm listening to just to kind of see what the process was and they were saying that for each song on the record they had a reference song like a template song like 
and I think I think if I remember correctly, that was just for the production of a particular track. Like, so they have like a song called "How I Wish You Were a Girl." I think that was based on... They didn't say which songs were the reference tracks, but it's interesting that they went into the record going, this needs to sound in the same vein as this, whatever it was, Motown song or whatever. And then this one needs to sound in the same vein as this. I thought that was an interesting approach to an album, and it kind of shows in a weird way. It's kind of interesting, yeah. Like, um, because I suppose in the past we've done things on the podcast where we write, we try and write in the vein of those songs. But it's interesting to think about that in terms of production as well. Like, uh, like trying to do that, but also again trying to keep a unique identity for whatever musical project that you're in. Like, uh, yeah, yeah I'm, you, you're really piquing my interest. You've got the peaked interest voice out. <laughs> I know, I know the voice well. No, I think you really <laughs> like it. <laughs> I, I can totally see you um, enjoying this album. I think, it, yeah, I think that'll be that'll be a good one. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I was surprised when we were talking about, you know what to talk about on this episode and you were saying like yeah a lot of what i've been listening to is is of this year which um is that often the case for you do you often like kind of keep quite an ear on what's going on i have no choice again where i work oh yeah um but i i don't know i think this year like something clicked in my head and like a few more of the albums that were released this year like stuck with me i didn't feel the need to go back and like expand my knowledge of previous artists like occasionally within a year i think you and i are both the same where we'll find one artist from the past and we'll go or like uh, find a new artist who's got a big back catalog and go like i must find everything of theirs i think the closest i've had to that this year is charlie xcx she had a really accessible pop record out this year a couple of great songs in it started to work back through her catalogue but uh, no I've not had a big thing of like oh there's one band from the 1970s I haven't checked out let's go and buy all of their albums (laughs) yeah I I get that I get that I think I'm a little bit more retrospective than you are that said I do like to kind of I I don't know (laughs) maybe it's just sort of the music fan of me or something but I like to end each year having at least like three records that I've checked out this year and liked you know i don't like to kind of leave empty-handed Hmm. yeah like i i've got a similar thing like i always want to try and find one new artist that's current at least uh maybe not their most recent record but like an artist that's still active because like imagine like ending a year going like well my favorite records for this year were like the arctic monkeys and muse um (laughs) i love the arctic monkeys and muse and i like both of their new records but like I imagine like ending the year and going like, oh, I've made no new discoveries. <laughs> nothing, yeah. absolutely nothing that was released this year. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yeah. I mean, 
I think I've been that person a couple of times, though. I think maybe oh, in like twenty. I've definitely been that person. That's why I want to not be that person. But sometimes, like, for me, like, I don't know how you are with music. I'd be interested to know, actually. But like, if I get into someone, someone's music or a band's music, I'm just into it for like a month or two. Like, I've been in a really big Todd Rundgren phase recently, and it's just lasted and lasted. Like, this a there's so much to dig into, and b I just get obsessed, you know. Yeah, like, particularly if there's a story behind an artist or a band or something that I can dig into. Uh, like, I tend to be... I have short, intense bursts of being into artists. I think you you tend to be more long-form in, like, when you're into someone. Like, you said, for example, the past couple of months you've been into Tog Rungren, I'll have, like, a thing for three weeks where I'm intensely passionate about clipping and only clipping. <laughs> <laughs> and then they'll just graduate to like they'll be added to the background murmur of my musical taste yeah, yeah absolutely it's funny um just on a side note real quick you mentioned clipping um we had some family over earlier and we were talking about the netflix series snowpiercer like we were all going oh have you seen this series have you seen this series and this series oh is that the one with uh, david Diggs in it Exactly, yeah. <laughs> we were talking about, oh, who's in Snowpiercer? Who, who stars in it? I said, oh, Sean Bean's in it, and also um, David Diggs of uh, Hamilton fame. And then I nearly said, and also Clipping, who were like this industrial <laughs> liar. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, surely Granny knows about Clipping. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The most difficult, but it just made me like chuckle because like David Diggs has the most versatile CV in entertainment today. <laughs> Oh, I I um got to see Clipping recently. Uh, what live? They, yeah, they played a show in Bristol. Um, Thanks for telling me. Jeez, oh, I would have loved I'm, to come. I'm sorry, it was very last minute. But no, like, that's cool. Uh, I'm only kidding. I did manage to just, like speak one sentence to David Diggs afterwards because uh, I was with my mate Jenny, who is like an uber Clipping fan. She's the biggest Clipping fan ever there was. Uh, she managed to get up and speak to him. I managed to say one sentence to David Diggs before I had to run for my bus. <laughs> What'd you say? Uh, it just—I think we were talking about like uh, my plans for the future. It was just like, oh yeah, I'm I'm trying to make music work and everything. And like, oh that's cool, man. Like, yeah, you try and make music work. Yeah, that's awesome. It's like, yeah, thank you. Pleasure to meet you. I need to run. <laughs> <laughs> that's so cool. I'm so I'm so impressed. You met him and you saw them. What were they like live? Oh, fantastic! Like uh, he can work a crowd really, really well. And, like, uh, he's got a great sense of humour, as well as, like, keeping the serious flow of the music going and, like, the, like, vibe and... And, like, seeing them, like, uh, mix elements of the songs from each other. Like, I think there was... Oh, it was, um... What's the first big track on, uh... Addiction to Blood? Oh, um... But the one that starts with... Doom, 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 doom. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't nothing know is safe. Kind of th- yeah, yeah. I think it was like nothing is safe into like work, work. Ah, oh, yeah. Amazing. I bet. Ah, oh, man, I can picture it. There were so, so many cool. of those cool. There were so many of those cool little um, uh, transitions. And I think they finished with um, uh, wiggle. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh man, what was I'm the really- venue like? Was it small? Yeah, it was the um, it was the lane. So technically, it's a bowling alley. Wow, you're just in a bowling alley. <laughs> they closed off the bowling alley at this tiny little stage, and just everyone in the room just like, yeah. 
That is so cool. Wow. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. That's so cool. Next time they're in the UK, I'll be sure to let you know, but that was a bit last minute. I'm sorry I didn't. Well, that's the Bristol lifestyle, isn't it? It's like, hey, Clipping are playing tonight at a bowling alley. You want to go? Yeah, yeah, I'll go. And it's, yeah, I, I totally get it. That's cool. But um, hopefully they'll bring out a record next year. I can kind of see that happening. Yeah, it's been like, because they did um, Visions of Bodies Being Burned last year, uh, which was great as well. But I'm really yeah. interested to see what they do beyond the horrorcore stuff, because I think that's that was just meant to be a pair, wasn't it? Uh, I don't know. But that'd be interesting. I mean... I don't. I haven't really been keeping up with like everything, but I wonder if they'll always do that thing of never saying I in um because they got a couple of rules, don't they? As far as I read, like they don't say he David Diggs doesn't write I. He never writes in the first person, and also they don't use snare drums apparently. Yeah, like I I know they've written from first person perspective, but it's very much first person from a character. Uh, okay. Like, oh, maybe that's kind of like a bit of a you know, a bit of leeway they cut themselves. Yeah, like uh, Splendor and Misery. It's like it's done from the ship's computer point of view, so you have to do it from a point of view. Uh, but, right. Yeah, I don't think there's any point where like they say I think this. Like it's always very much more descriptive of the things that are happening around. We have somehow segued off. Um, <laughs> uh, talking about <laughs> albums that we've listened to this year, and we just started talking about clipping. This is just what happens. Uh, when, we, when we start talking about music. <laughs> I mean, one one last thing about clipping, I'm actually genuinely curious. Like, obviously, David Diggs on the mic, like, and it's a three-piece, is that right? What were the other two guys doing? Uh, mixing, mainly. Like, uh, you could see, like, um, him coming off the mic and, like, uh, having a chat with them and, like, making sharing jokes with them and everything. But uh, they, they're not mic'd up or anything. Uh, but you can see them like choosing things to seek into on the fly and like setting up the loops and samples and things. That's so cool that it's like that organic that they're like, hey, let's go into this next. That's very cool. Yeah, like uh, I, I, again, bring me the horizon clipping. Go and see both of them. They're brilliant. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, on the topic of new albums this year, there's one that I didn't particularly like as much as I wanted to, and I'm not trying to throw shade here or anything, but it was the new Father John Misty album. I didn't like it as much as I wanted to. Oh, honey girl, your schedule's pretty crazy, doing interviews for the new live action Kathy. Could you pencil in an industry outside? I wondered if you were going to mention this because we've had this on in work and we've actually quite liked it, but it is a very different listen to the previous Father John Misty's. Hmm. Hmm. I can't put my finger on exactly what didn't do it for me. Maybe I just need to revisit it. Some albums are growers, you know. I love that one song where it starts off like um, with these strings and then it has the biggest guitar solo in the middle and it just goes back to strings to the <laughs> yeah yeah that, that very much appeals to my sense of humor um but that's also i've got a list of records that i like but i've only heard in work so i've only heard them randomly out of order and in the background while i'm doing other things and that's like chief among them uh the other mm. ones are the new big thief record which has got some great song and textures on it some great sounds mm. um 
It's also got the weirdest title. Are you uh, aware of the title of this one at all? No, no. Uh, the latest Big Thief record is called Dragon New Warm Mountain, I Believe in You. <laughs> you get Fiona Apple around for her money. <laughs> <laughs> it's very much... It's very much like, uh, yes, this is a cluster of words that have no meaning together. Um, but we feel that's what we, <laughs> the collector state we're all in right now. Uh, the, Ezra collect, the Ezra Collector's new record, um, where I'm meant to be, I, I end up dancing to that in store. It, it's getting quite bad. Um, <laughs> so I've got that on order so I can dance to it at home. Um, and then the new Black Country New Road, uh, Answer up there. I played that a lot at the beginning of the year when I could get away with it. Uh, were you like uh, aware of the uh, first Black Country New Road record? I'm, I have never heard of them, honestly. Um, tell me about them. Ooh, uh, kind of. Uh, I've, I've not listened to them much, but like, it's kind of like it's very sort of like not jazz, but like expansive musical like lexicon of like. Uh, it, it's definitely a rock band. It's a heavy rock band at times, but like. The first record is, I think, mostly instrumental, and then the second one has a singer. Um, That's it's, interesting. It's, it is very... I, I don't know how to describe it, really. All I can say is put on um, the first record, which, if I can open up my music player uh, nice and quickly... Um, nice and quickly... <laughs> nice and quickly... Uh, yeah, uh, the first record is only about 40 minutes long, it's called For the First Time. And like, hmm. like it's only got six tracks, but like some of them are like nine minutes long. Uh, the second one's very much more like song-based, like there are lyrics and things, um, as you would have with a song. Uh, I kind of like it, it's a bit like rough around the edges as well. Like, you know how we sometimes describe, like, sometimes the music we make as being, like, making a palace out of, like, rough granite or something. Mm. Like that, that's, that's cool. What, that's kind of what it feels like a little bit to me. But, uh, yeah, check out some of that. I will check that out. Like I say, it's interesting that their first album was largely instrumental. And... It was released on a label, and then they added a vocalist more so on the second one. That's that's a bold move. I think the I think the vocalist has quit now. <laughs> wow! Yeah, stay tuned for updates on on the lineup. I guess. <laughs> oh, that's cool. What what else was on your um, you know, liked list that you didn't hear properly? Um, well, that's about it for the ones that I want to check out. There are a couple that I like, but I just don't have much to say about them. Which mm. was um, Sunflower Bean, the new one of that. I, I quite like that one. I quite like a lot of the songs, but I don't have any groundbreaking takes on it. It's just a good record. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I listened to it and liked it. Probably about the same as you. Listened to it, liked it. Nothing bad to say about it. That said, 
You know, I don't know if you're the same as me, but my favorite Sunflower being released is King of the Dudes EP. Yes. Yeah, no, I I wish they did more of that, like, um, almost like Blondie-esque new wave. And there are traces of that in there. I think the big thing that Head Full of Sugar's got going for it is um, Psychedelia. Like, that's, yeah. a ver- that's a very welcome touch. But I hope it's not a touch that stays forever. I like it for that one record. Yeah, no, totally, totally. I mean, but then, again, they're, they're a band similar to Paramore in the sense that every new record they release, you're like, where are they going to go? Which direction? You never expect the same thing twice. Hmm. And then the other one that I just don't have much to say about is uh, uh, The Best, Expert in a Dying Field. Um, it's just really good rock music, female-fronted, New Zealand band, um, some nice chord sequences. I, I recommend you check it out, but I don't really have anything groundbreaking to say. I will check it out, because I've been meaning to check them out since I watched um, the guitarist, whose name I can't remember. Um, he was on this show I watch on YouTube called Show Us Your Junk. Um, by Earthquaker Devices. It's basically where they go around to um, various musicians or producers' studios, and then they talk about their music-making process and the gear they use. It's like... Oh, so big... it's like Rick Rundown, but for like a, for a studio setting. Yeah, exactly. Exactly that. And he was on one of them, and um, I think it was him who said that he had this technique he used sometimes, where he had a guitar where all six strings were tuned to the same note in varying octaves. And when he wanted to create an enormous guitar sound, what he would do is like, say he was recording a C major chord, like for a big kick in, he'd record the, the, the C on all six strings on one track, the E on all six strings on the other track and a G on all six strings on the other track. And then like overdub it again and again, you get this enormous guitar chord from it. And I've been meaning to try that too. So That I'll... sounds impractical, but impressive. Please send me this video. <laughs> I will do, yeah. The whole series is worth checking out. I mean, there's so many cool things that people are doing these days. Another one I heard the other day, um, not to get too off topic, but I guess we've done our album, so a little off topic is okay, I guess. But um, yeah. somebody was talking about double tracking drums to get a stereo image. I've never thought to do that before, but I'm definitely going to try it. The only time I can think of that sort of thing is uh, Beatles' Strawberry Fields, where it is definitely two drum tracks, because they're doing slightly different things. Mm, like, mm. But I've never heard of like trying to double-track a drum kit like you tried to double-track a guitar. That's interesting. I wonder what that sounds like. Yeah, same. Same. I, I'm definitely going to try it in the new year, for sure. Um... Another thing, because I recently got a drum kit. I don't know if I've even told you that, have I? No, you didn't. I thought you were still using the one over at, um, over at Minehead. No, I've got my own now. I've got a, uh, a gold pearl export kit. It's, it, I got a complete steel bargain on it. Um, this guy was getting rid of... He's like, oh, we're moving house. We don't have the room anymore. We're getting rid of it quick. 
And I was like, okay, cool. I came over and got the drum kit. And he's like, yeah, you can have all this other stuff as well if you want. It's like Zildjian cymbals and crashes and splashes and like a spare snare drum with a different sound and just all this stuff, like super cheap. Um, anyway, so I've been recording. Where do you the have church. the space to keep it? <laughs> well, you know the church where we recorded our album? Yeah. Oh, is it there? It's there, yeah. Um, I, I phoned up the guy who was the, like, the groundskeeper for the whole place. And um, I said to him, look, I expect you to say no, and I fully understand, but there's a drum kit going cheap on Facebook Marketplace at the moment. I'd love to buy it. And would you be okay with me storing it here at the church, packing it down, obviously, when I'm not using it, and recording it in the afternoon hours? And he said, yeah, that's totally fine. He said, there's a spare cupboard you can use. I was like, no way. So, yeah, I have a drum kit now. Okay, next Schnookman's record, we're just booking out that church. Absolutely. I've been using the church more than ever. And it's just, this is why I'm looking up this stuff to do with drums, too. Um, like, there's other stuff where, you know, mic up your drums and put the snare drum mic through effects pedals. Put the kick drum mic through effects pedals. There's so many things you can try that I haven't, haven't occurred to me before. Which I suppose because we're dirty guitarists, uh, <laughs> we never really think about that other than, like, yeah, you've got to hit one, two, three, and four. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, I'm trying to think now. What was the most, what's the most creative drum sound I've ever heard on a record? There's quite I a always... few good ones on Axis Boulder's Love by Hendrix. Yeah, but there's quite a few things on Axis Boulder. <laughs> <laughs> the whole production of that record is like kind of like, oh. <laughs> yeah, that's very true, actually. <laughs> What's another great experimental drum sound? Um, Odgan's Nut, whatever it's called. I never remember the name of the album, but by the faces, that's good. Small faces. It's not that experimental, but I do love the overblown stuff, uh, the overblown drones on the stuff that Foles have been putting out this year. Their singles game has been really strong this year, and I just love that slightly, slightly too loud into the desk sound that they have mm. with some of the drums. Like, I, I, I kind of want that on some of my records. Definitely. Like, we've run it too hot, but we don't care. <laughs> Here it is anyway. Yeah. Well, that, that's become, and I'm all for it. This isn't a put down at all. That's become rather trendy recently. That thing of like driving stuff too hot through the tape machine or through the desk um, yeah. to get natural overdrive. Yeah. I feel like one of the big things that's been going on recently is that you've been seeing more texture experimentation like it's not enough just to have like a clean guitar or like um, a distorted guitar or like a synthesizer or something like that there something has to be going backwards something has to be put through five filters uh you know <laughs> some the guitar now has to have backwards echo forwards echo uh it needs to be inverted phase shifted and like again this sounds like put down but i i would like some of where that experimentation leads like so you mm. get some really interesting sounds like particularly with synth work like there's been a lot of stuff with like distorting synths like you would guitars recently and like applying newer effects to them and like doing some really interesting stuff i suppose that's come largely out of like the hyperpop scene where like that's just de rigueur right like so experimentation in that realm is just sort of almost expected in a sense yeah well like if you listen to some like old charlie xcx or like aj kirk or or sophie and you listen to like how just odd those records sound 
and then a little bit of that rubbing off onto mainstream pop. Like, uh, mm. although there's also been quite a few dancey records this year, which I quite like, but not like, like more like groovy records. Groove is like, big at the moment. Yeah, and I'm all for it. Yeah, same, same. It seems like there's a lot of, like, this is such a broad and vague term, I guess, but a lot of musicality going on at the moment, which is really nice to see. You know, people are really leaning into being musicians rather than just, I don't know, laptop producers or whatever. Yeah, it's like, you're you're not expected to be a pop star anymore. You're expected to, like, have a musical identity beyond that. Although I do wonder if we're just seeing this because we're musicians and we just happen to like what's coming out at the moment. Possibly. Like, uh, <laughs> like we're always going to read more into music than anyone else, but like... Uh, I was just going to say, like, to that point you were saying about, um, what do you call it? Uh, you know, texture and taking on different tones in your records. I think it's a nice thing just in general to sort of break you out of your routines of going through the motions you know we've both been there where you're like okay right time to record a rhythm guitar i'll plug the guitar i always use into the amp i always use with the tone i always have and like i think kind of that thing of like oh okay i'm gonna try something different now i'm gonna try and like have a really thin tone or like something that's especially reverby or whatever can really um really break you out of those habits yeah it's like uh that uh lindsey buckingham thing of like let's turn all the knobs 180 degrees to see what they do I'm not necessarily saying you should record it but you should definitely <laughs> yeah. do it just to see, just to see what it does because it might be interesting <laughs> I love that I love it I mean that's one of the lovely things about um, real analog synth gear is like you know you get a tone on it you love you're like oh this is the tone for the song and you record it but the next time you come to the synth if you've turn the knobs or if someone else has that tone has gone pretty much forever unless you make a note of it and even mm. then you know it might not be quite the same because it's um analog gear so yeah that, that unpredictability is i think a really really good part of creativity as opposed to like typing in the bpm and typing in the like uh attack and decay of every sound and like there there is space for that and like there is incredible music that gets produced like that but there is just something about that spirit of creativity, which is just, that, that's fun for me. I like seeing that, even if it's like uh, buried underneath like professional production and everything. I just love seeing that spark of like, yeah, we, we, we actually tried something here. Yeah, 100%. This is a really lovely thing to see. It's a, it's a trend that I hope continues. It's kind of interesting you sort of follow a few people who've been going for that long. Uh, over like 20 years or so and you can see like how that's directly affected them like the new Paolo Nutini record is basically like a smorgasbord of different styles uh, like he starts off sounding like um, Robert Plant and doing his best impersonation of that he sort of like uh, goes through like loads of various singer songwriter modes that he's been in uh, Through the Echoes has been the big one which is that uh, the trend a few years ago of being really stripped back and then you've got things on there like um Petrified in Love, which is basically the best Elvis Costello song that Elvis Costello never wrote. <laughs>
or like um, Arctic Monkeys, like uh, with the new one, like going for different sounds and like not always succeeding, but when it hits, oh, when it hits, something like Body Pain. Somewhere betwixt four stars out of five and body paint is the Arctic Monkey's future, at least where I want it to be. <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, there is that sort of trend now of like, that's so different to the music of the 80s and 90s or, you know, earlier, where if you had a hit, it was very reliant on the machine around the music industry, which allowed you to have a hit. And then the next music you release either had to be a follow up to that or like a, you know, sequel or something entirely different and you hope it works. Whereas, we've kind of already touched on this, I suppose, but now there's this real lean into, like, artists are artists, you know? I mean, even, like, something as mainstream as the new Taylor Swift record, like, you're not going to begrudge her trying things that are more organic and genuine and authentic, because I think authenticity, I don't want to say sells, because that doesn't really convey what I mean, but it does well, you know? Yeah, like, uh, I don't particularly like the new Taylor Swift that much, but, like, she couldn't have just kept on making Folklore and Evermore forever, much as I love those records, and I really do. Um, But, again, that's that thing of, like, playing into each project being its own thing and looking at them less like these all have to be, like, Taylor Swift albums or Beyoncé albums, or, like, no, this is a house album, or this is a muted pop album. Hmm. Like, uh, which is kind of interesting. Like, uh, it's kind of things that artists like David Bowie were doing back in the seventies. Of like, each album or couple of albums has its own distinct voice and set of qualities that's being applied more mainstream now. And I it's quite good, like that. It's a good comparison you make to Bowie. I think I haven't thought of that, but yeah, the the modern sort of way people are making albums and and trying new things is. Yeah, it was kind of done by Bowie back in the day. Like, you didn't want, know what to expect from each album. Um, mm. Which, in, in a way, I think people could argue would lead to disappointment. Like, oh, man, I love Diamond Dogs. Why couldn't he make Diamond Dogs again or whatever? But then I think time kind of tells when you look back and you go, ah, okay, so the most in, the most enduring artists, the most timeless artists are the ones who tried the most varying things. But, you know, with songwriting, there's a backbone usually. Yeah. Like, uh, again, the Arctic Monkeys thing, they've obviously gone into the lounge pop thing, but, and I know that there are a lot of people who are not fond of that, but if they just kept making AM forever, then that cannot sustain. No, yeah, exactly. At least least them trying different sounds is, uh, you know, progress. And one day it might click for a mass audience. And that'd be great. But no one could look back on them and say that they were just doing the one thing. Um, like, uh, I've, I felt this slightly with um, the new Muse album. So I'm a Muse fan. I'm going to talk about this very quickly. <laughs> I was wondering but, what uh, you thought of this new one.
I quite like it. Um, I'm in a weird position with Muse, because uh, everything up to the Resistance, absolutely love. Some of my favourite music of all time. And then they released a second law, and that didn't click with me back when it was released. And I was like, hmm, not sure. And then they tried to like go back to their hard rock roots, where every song on the album was in drop D. It's like, mm, you're trying too hard. And then like uh, they released the dance rock record a few years ago, and it's kind of like, better, but I can still see that you're trying to copy <laughs> the stuff you've done in the past. And um, this new one feels like a breath of fresh air, because it feels like they're just doing what they want to do. Like, as much as I didn't like Second Law back in the day, I have a lot more respect for it now, because I could tell that that's the music they actually wanted to make, even if I didn't like it. Oh, interesting. And the new okay. one, like, because on the previous two, I could sort of tell there were sort of clones of tracks that happened on the previous on Second Law. Mm. Like there was a clone of Madness a couple of times, and there's always like a proggy one, and there was a dancey one. But this one, it feels more like the songs are just free to be themselves. And also it ends with a song called We Are Fucking Fucked. And I love that song. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a good title. It's a very childish thing. Like, it starts off with Will of the People, which is kind of like a, um, uh, a anti-establishment boogie. <laughs> and it ends with We Are Fucking Fucked. <laughs> Betwixt those two is a new Muse album. <laughs> and it's so stupid. And it's very five-year-old. And I absolutely love it. That's amazing. I mean, and it touches back on the same thing we've touched on loads in this in this chat is the people who come across as the most authentic and actually do quite well are the ones who are making the music they want to make as opposed to trying to replicate what they made before or try to, you know, appease what they think people want. Yeah, because much as I love some dr songs on drones, like that is just the album where they tried to prove that they were still a rock band. Whereas some of the stuff on here, where they've still got a couple of the dubstep wubs and like synthesizer bits, go much harder. Like, won't stand down or kill or be killed, go much harder than some of the stuff on drones. And you could, it sort of just, it feels better because it feels like that's what the song actually needs or that's what the band actually wants. Rather than mm. like feeling, oh, we've got to have uh, the rock bit now because we're a rock band. Yeah, I think that type of album where you can tell things are kind of like, I don't know, it's almost like a mosaic of industry requests. Like, that never, that you can always tell, do you know what I mean? Like, I think that's the thing I like about the new Paramore material is, like, yeah, it's accessible, but I think that that's not synonymous necessarily with um, pandering. And like yeah, it, so it sounds like they want to be at the top of their game and they're proud of what they're making, and I think that shows through the music. Yeah, let's not pretend that the commercial uh, pressures of creating accessible music that lots of people like don't exist, because they do. And good songwriters have to work within that. But yeah, projects like the new Paramore set of singles and the new album that they've been teasing, where it's very much, yes, we'll give you what you want, but we're doing it our way. Mm, mm. Yeah, a hundred percent. And there's there's like a power you get, I suppose, after a certain time of like proving yourself and being on a label. It's like, okay, leave us alone now. <laughs> you know, we're we're gonna make you some money with the record, but you know, 
we need the time in the studio to ourselves and not being told what to do and that. Which is kind of nice seeing huge artists taking that mentality of like, I'm just doing what I want now rather than I am putting out music so that it will sell units. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Like, like the new Beyonce record didn't have to be a house record. But it's interesting that it is, and there are some great songs, and it's like nothing else in her catalogue. Yeah, I mean, she's always been quite a boundary pusher and, you know, pushing the envelope and stuff like that. So, um, you know, honestly, I actually haven't even heard the whole album. I've, I've heard the singles, but I haven't heard the whole album. Not Just because I'm not a huge House fan. It's not to say it's a bad album, it's just not my cup, I don't think. I think the singles are the strongest part of it. I did enjoy listening to it all. But again, I did listen to it only a few times that we were allowed to play it in shot before uh, there were some naughty words on it, so we had to take it off. Didn't stop any of the punk <laughs> bands from being on the radio, but like that's a discussion for another time. <laughs> oh, God, bloody hell. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's touched a nerve at HMV. <laughs> oh, you can't put any music on there without touching some sort of nerve. Oh. That's what music's for sometimes, is it? Of course exactly. it is. Some of, it, some of it's got to be provocative, otherwise we'd all be making uh, like very comfortable, very samey records. Exactly, that's not what we want. Um, no. Well, this may be a good note to wrap on, what do you reckon? I think so as well. Like, It's been really interesting having this discussion as like, even if we've not... A- uh, like pick the same albums. Like I like the fact that there are things that we've both gone like, oh yes, I know that. <laughs> yeah, and, and the fact that there's been like, oh, I'll check that out on both ends. Like, um, I've got to give the new Laurel Connor another listen. I've only heard it through once and loved it. Um, as well as what was the other one I was going to check out that you recommended? Well, it it's the a podcast. Yeah, the Beths, definitely the Beths. Um, yeah. but I'm gonna um, I'm gonna go back over what you said and um, and make a yeah. little playlist anyway. So. Yeah, when we uh, when we click off, I'm going to be getting some details from those videos and those albums. Absolutely, yeah. No, it's been fun. It's been fun. And for those of you who are listening, uh, who are interested in what the next season is going to be, it's going to be next year. Um, actually, no, this year. This year, because you're listening to this. Well, if you're listening to this on New Year's Eve, it will be 2022. So it'll be next year for about, what, the seven hours? <laughs> <laughs> Assum- assuming I get it edited in time. <laughs> oh man yeah um so yeah we'll be back for a new season more details to come obviously but just know that you'll be hearing from us very soon and we're grateful for you probably early spring but like roger says we will uh we'll confirm that once we actually know what we're doing (laughs) absolutely also speaking of spring um for those of you who want to hear the first record from declan and i collaboratively um our band is called schnookums that's s-c-h-n-o-o-k-u-m-s and we're schnookums.band on instagram follow us because we got an album coming out spring next year so excited about that yes i am very excited i also need to record some guitar for it uh so thank you for reminding me (laughs) um uh, also talking of records um uh my good co-host Roger has recently had a selection of songs out, some of which you will have heard on the podcast. Uh, he's put them out under the name Magic Wand. Uh, where can you find this new collection of songs? Uh, everywhere. Thanks for mentioning that, by the way. Um, so, yeah, Spotify, Apple Music, Tidal, um, all the usual suspects for streaming, as well as um, uh, YouTube and, uh, and Bandcamp, of course. Um, 
the record is obviously streaming for free everywhere you can stream records and enjoy it that way by all means but if you want to support um the record financially and contribute to the making of the next one well that goes for me or declan or any any people's music who are independent it makes a big difference and it means that we can continue to make records so um i recommend Bandcamp. but yeah give it a listen it's um 14 tracks it's the longest project i've put out in a while and declan plays uh bass guitars um on a couple of the tracks and uh yeah it's a fun listen it is very much a fun listen i was listening to that to uh on my way into work and yeah, it just put me in a nice mood for the morning, so thank you for that. <laughs> oh, cheers. Thank you. That's really touching. Um, yeah. Uh, Declan, where can people find your music? Um, again, the usual suspects. Uh, Bandcamp, Spotify, iTunes, Tidal. Um, all, all of the places online. All of them. Every single one. If there's a place you can't find my music online, then write them angry letters demanding that they have my music on there. Even if it's like a, a news website or, I don't know, a video sharing website or, I don't know, a forum about Invader Zim <laughs> that doesn't have my music on it, just let them know because you'll be doing them a public service. Absolutely. The Zim message boards won't know what hit them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's cool. Well, obviously, thank you all so much for listening. And... Um, Happy New Year! Have a lovely, lovely 2023 full of creativity, songwriting, and achieving what you want to achieve. In contrast, may you have a happy New Year. That's it. That's all you get. <laughs> you don't get you the get. other stuff with me. <laughs> <laughs> right, oh, man. We'll, uh, we'll see you in 2023. Ta-ra! 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 Bye! Bye! Bye!